0: reading from Philippians. That is on page 1139 in the Pew Bible. Paul and Timothy are writing to the servants of Jesus Christ. They are the servants of Jesus Christ. And to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray for joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, Since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. The word of our Lord.
1: going to begin 2017 in the book of Philippians. You may want to find it in your Bible. Follow along as I preach through the opening verses this morning. A large part of the New Testament is made up of letters. Letters written by apostles and various leaders of the early Christianity to churches and to other people. And 13 of those letters in the New Testament are written by the Apostle Paul. And four of those 13 letters that he wrote were written while he was incarcerated. The earliest centuries after Christ uh, were dangerous and costly ones for those who committed themselves to faith in the Lord Jesus. And Paul paid the price many times uh, for preaching, for teaching the gospel, and he spent his final years under arrest by the Romans. In his imprisonment, he would write to various churches and individuals to instruct, to encourage, to tell them how to live this new faith in Jesus. And bars and chains were not going to stop Paul. He still wanted to communicate and get the word out. Despite the suffering, despite the deep trials that Paul experienced, he's rather upbeat in this letter to the Philippians. I mean, I don't know what you feel like when you're in prison or you're in jail, but uh, it doesn't go over well with me. But Paul's rather upbeat. In fact, this this might be his warmest, most positive letter. Why? Well, because the Philippians and Paul are friends. They are good friends. Philippians is a letter of friendship. There's nothing like a good friend. Just recently I heard of a motto of a university fraternity that that goes, friendship is essential to the soul. And I think that's particularly true of the Christian life. Living for the Lord Jesus Christ is done with others. It it takes community. Jesus modeled this for us. I mean, He He, he had a circle around him that he lived with and walked with. It's too hard to keep faith, it's too hard to love. Uh, It's too hard to find encouragement. It's too hard to travel that daunting road of discipleship by ourselves. I would say it's impossible. We may be in a hard place in our lives. We may find ourselves fearful. We may find ourselves low. We may find ourselves struggling in some other way. But, you know, if we have the presence of even just one other person or others to walk with us, to pray for us, to care for us, to keep tabs on us, we can get through. We can even thrive. Paul and the Philippians are Christians and partners. Now, Philippians is a letter, and letters are written because there's distance between people. We write letters to cut down the distance between whoever's writing the letter and whoever's reading the letter. Paul and the Philippian Christians probably had no idea that this piece of writing would be read for years and years to come and would become a part of Scripture. I'm sure Paul was just writing as one man to a community of believers. But as Christianity developed, people who read this letter concluded it had something to say beyond just the circumstances of the Philippians. That's what scripture is. Scripture is something written for a particular people at a particular time, in a particular place, under their particular circumstances, that we continue to read and draw strength from, believing that it has something to say to all people at all times, in all circumstances, even 2,000 years later. Paul writes this letter with a friend name is Timothy. We'll hear more about Timothy as we get into Philippians. But Timothy was a he was a protégé of Paul. Timothy was a young Christian leader, a pastor who was kind of like a son to Paul, kind of an adopted son. And Timothy tended to Paul. He stayed near him when he was in prison. Uh, so while we list this as a letter of Paul, it's really a letter of Paul and Timothy They identify themselves as servants of Christ Jesus. Servants belonged in every way to their master. Servants were bonded to their master. And Paul and Timothy saw themselves bonded, in bondage to their Lord Jesus Christ. Their only interest was obeying him, was carrying out what he wanted them to be and to do. And they write this letter to all God's holy people. The word is saints. Uh, It reads in some Bibles, all God's holy people, but the word is saints who are at Philippi. Literally, saints are holy ones. And the idea behind the word, word holy is to be separate. To be separate is to belong to a different order of things. It's to live in a different sphere. Do you know that Holy is the word that is used to describe God more than any other word in the Bible. Paul doesn't write just to the Philippians, but he writes, he calls them, you're all God's holy ones, you're saints at Philippi. Politically and in the sight of the world, they are Philippians, but by grace and in the sight of God, they are holy ones. Saints. Oh, yeah, you say. You ought to see me Monday through Saturday. I hardly qualify for sainthood, not me. It wasn't because the Philippians or any other Christians are morally perfect or that the church was problem-free. That's not why they're saints. Those who are in Christ Jesus are considered holy because we belong to the one who is holy. Sainthood is not status. God sees us as holy because he sees us through Jesus Christ. It's not through anything that we earn to do that. It is something that comes by grace alone. Our designation as saints is a gift. Paul and Timothy not only write to all God's holy people, but they also write to the overseers and the deacons at Philippi. These were the leaders of the church. Uh, They are named and recognized to honor them to recognize their place, I hope hope we all honor and recognize our elders and deacons and the people who give of themselves that are so important in the nurture and the care of this church. Churches need leaders. Churches need leaders who are servants. We actually know quite a bit about the church at Philippi. Uh, It was literally born at a place of prayer. Paul and Timothy found a group of women who met at the river at uh, Philippi and they would gather there for prayer. And one day, Paul went down and he was allowed to speak and uh, he shared the gospel. And one woman, her name was Lydia, her heart was open to that message. She became baptized with all her household, we're told. And that was the beginning of the church at Philippi. You can read about it in Acts Chapter 16, the church was born. We get a rich sense of the friendship of Paul and Timothy in the Philippians in the opening verses. The opening verses are just chock full of words that are uplifting and positive. First, Paul and Timothy warmly greet the church with grace and peace. And then there's words like thanks and joy and partnership in the gospel. And, and, and Paul says, I have you in my heart. And he says, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Every time he crosses their mind, uh, he, Paul breaks out in exclamations of thanks to God. And every time he thinks of them, it's like a trigger to pray for them. He finds himself praying for them with a glad heart. Who do you give thanks for every time you pray for them? do you constantly pray for not out of frustration or fear but because of the joy that they bring you who shares with you in your life as a follower of Christ who do you hold in your heart paul says he feels the philippians support whether he's locked up or whether he's free to preach the gospel who has your back in good times and Who are your partners in the Christian faith? Uh, Who can you pray with? Who can you share with? Who who can you talk to your joys and struggles in the faith with? Uh, Who can you download those experiences about how you're knowing God or struggling with God? You know, some of the letters that Paul wrote to churches, uh, he wrote and he didn't know them. He had no relationship with them. Some of the letters he wrote were letters of frustration with those people. Not Philippians. This is a letter from a leader to a community, that know that and they know one another, and they have affection for one another, and they're for one another in the good or the bad. I highly advocate, I highly advocate that every one of us have a group of Christians or at least one other person that can mentor us or that we can meet with to guide us in our faith. Christian discipleship cannot be done no one in the New Testament follows by just sitting in a worship service once a week. They are in relationship with one another. They're actively living with one another, doing the life of Jesus. And Paul says he's confident about them. What's he confident about? He says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know that God is doing a work in you? He's doing a work in all of us. He's doing a work in this whole church and in churches everywhere. Every church. I mean, he's doing a better work in our church than other churches, but he's doing a work in every church. Being a Christian is not totally about our effort. The work being done in us is a work of God. Christ Jesus has opened the door for us to approach him and to know him. I mentioned that the church in Philippi started at a place of prayer, and it was that one woman, Lydia, who was the first to come to Christ. Now, if you go back and you read Acts 16, it's put like this. It says, the Lord opened her heart to the message Paul was speaking. The Lord opened, the Lord opened. If you've come to faith in Christ, it's because the Lord has opened our heart to him. It is because he is working now in us. Doesn't mean because he's working in us, it's always clear. Doesn't mean it's always easy. You may feel like a spiritual failure. You may feel like, oh, my gosh, I have so many temptations. I have so many questions. I have so many doubts. Doubts. Christian puts his or her uh, life in the hands of the Lord and we're now in the process of being fixed. We're now in the process of being renewed. Carol Simcox is a pastor. He wrote a devotional commentary on Philippians and he describes this, this work like this. The process is long, hard, intricate, and painful. It hurts to be changed from what we are into what God is determined to make of us, fully Christ like persons. It seems to take a long, long time 50, 60, 70 years. That's a long time to be in God's repair shop. And am I really worth all this toil and trouble to God? What if I die before the job is finished, as in fact I shall? God wants so much to get this done, why doesn't He do it in a moment and get it over with? Is it good economy to let this whole earthly life be given over simply to the preparation of a finished soul? I mean, are you like me and you ask yourself, when am I going to get this love one another stuff down? And when am I gonna when am I gonna become patient? When am I gonna become compassionate? And, And and when am I gonna learn to pray? And, and, and when is my faith really going to get strong? When am I going to learn to trust God like I need to? Um, you know, am I making any progress at all? Remember, Paul's writing an entire community, and he believes God is working through that entire body of people. Now, there are times I think, boy, say, oh, man, we should be so much farther along in Christian faith than we are. I'll bet you think that probably sometimes about us, huh? I need to remember, we all need to remember, God is doing a work in us. Go and read Philippians, and you will find this was a church It didn't always have unity. There were disagreements. There were some attitudes. There were um, attacks on those who, from the outside who were hostile to the faith. There were people holding grudges. But Paul was confident. He was confident, first of all, that God had begun a good work in them, and it was a good work, he said. Again, it's a work of repair. There are places in our lives that need to become more responsive to the Lord. Obedience, maturity, deep trust, it takes time. Second, Paul was confident that God would continue the work that was going on in that church. You know, God never gives up. Even the good and the bad in our individual lives and in our churches have a purpose in our faith. And then Paul was confident that God guaranteed the outcome. Doesn't he write? He'll bring it to completion. That won't happen until the day of Christ Jesus, whether that's when we die and meet him or whether he comes again. But it is certain that there is an appointed day when the project will be finished. To hang with God in the work that he is doing in our hearts and in our church takes patience, patience with God, patience with ourselves. It takes constancy. We just have to keep going, have to keep showing up. And it takes desire. We have to want to be more what he wants us to be. Paul's confident. Yes, he is confident God's doing a work in Philippi. So let's trust God, the work that He's doing in us. And let's trust God and the work that He's doing here. Let's trust that He knows what He's doing because He does. May not feel like that sometimes. May not look like that sometimes. In moments of frustration, it doesn't feel so good. But that's the time I think I really need to affirm. And we need to affirm God, we trust you know what this is all about and what is happening, and that your good work is being accomplished. So Paul prays for that to continue. And he prays that their love would grow more and more. Not a sentimental, easy love, but a love that responds in the tough situations. And he prays that they would have knowledge and discernment so that they would discern what is best. What is best. They need to know what is best with God. And that's a very rich biblical phrase, by the way. It means to approve the things that matter most, to recognize what is highest. He prays that they would be pure, blameless at the day of Christ, and filled with the fruits of righteousness. Paul prays there'd be visible evidence of their life in Christ growing out of them. There's a sense of growth in all these words, I think. And growth takes time, and it takes experience. And growth, um, it takes success, and it takes trials, and it takes other people. How are we going to grow? and love more and more if we never love someone else or if we just keep to ourselves how are we going to bear any fruit if we don't plant some seeds and water them and nurture them and help them to grow it's all part of the Christ the, the work Christ is doing in us and it takes patience and it takes constancy and with desire it will it will come it will come it is coming Sir Francis Drake was the second person ever to sail around the whole globe. First Englishman to ever do it. When Drake set out on that journey, he saw no point in stopping halfway. He just kept going, and he became famous. Sir Francis Drake became famous for his journey. And, you know, he was a man of prayer, and he wrote prayers. And he prayed that in the commitment of our lives, God would remind us, That it is not the beginning, but the continuing of the same until it be thoroughly finished that yields the true glory. It's not the beginning, it's the continuing of the same until we're finished. That's what yields the true glory of God. Not how we start, but how we keep going and get to the finish. We've let Christ begin his work in us. Let's continue with him so that his work will be complete and the true glory will be revealed in our lives and in Christ Jesus. Let's come before the throne of our God this morning in communion because this points to that day of completion. The table points to that final day when we will Meet him and we will be the completed works that he wants us